The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 83 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm Sean Rapier. I'm the host of the show, and what a show we have for you this week. Tanner Hutchins, my guest, has a story of incredible faith and resilience and perseverance and answered prayers and just, (laughs) you are going to be absolutely blown away. It's one of the best stories I have ever heard. We've got that coming up, and this week in my Latter-day Life, I'll uh, tell you about one of the greatest that we lost this past week. Uh, But before we jump into this week's conversation, I do want to thank a few of our listeners who recently left us reviews on iTunes. They go by the usernames of Day Mapes, Chef Gal 2, and Kathleen GS. And I am almost blushing with the kind words that were left and the five-star reviews. I cannot thank you enough. We are now over 100 uh, reviews, still have a five-star average on iTunes, and I I cannot overstate how important that is for people when they're searching for good content and and with keywords like Christian or like Latter-day Saint or Mormon or whatever they're searching for them to be able to find this podcast. The more reviews, the more we show up, and uh, it's just phenomenal. So thank you again. I really, truly appreciate it. All right, without any further ado then, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And this week, it is my absolute privilege to have here in the Latter-day Lives studio a man with such an incredible story, Tanner Hutchins. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am so excited. So I saw you on video uh, telling your story, and the minute I heard your story, I said, okay, my audience just has to hear it. (laughs) Some of you may have already seen Tanner's video, and I'm going to recommend, even once you listen to the podcast watch the video because you get a better sense of who Tanner really is. You're an animated guy. You're a fun guy to watch. Thank you. But let's take it way back. Tanner, tell us a little bit about where you're from and and where and how you grew up. Yeah. um, I was uh, born and raised in Yakinville, North Carolina. It's the smallest town in the whole wide world. It's a very, very little bubble. Do you know what the population is? Uh, I think it's like... 1200 people yeah obviously there are smaller towns but to me and being out here it's just so little yeah i mean everyone knows everybody so the true south yeah very true very true it's awesome uh born and raised there and uh my grandparents raised me and so i had a very different upbringing as compared to a lot of my other friends and and whatnot but uh just spoiled rotten yeah. All, all my life. Yep. Grandparents took good care oh, of you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was it was awesome. And what were you into as a, a youth? Were you sports. into sports? Oh, yeah. yeah. Watch them. Come home every day. Watch the Atlanta Braves. Watch Carolina. Watch uh, watch my Titans. Just, just watch everything. And since this is an audio podcast, our listeners should know 
You are proudly wearing a UNC <laughs> baby blue UNC sweatshirt right now. We Absolutely. Were, and we actually just spent the last 15 minutes talking NBA basketball, talking <laughs> Indiana Pacers and uh, LA Lakers stuff. So, oh, yeah. so you're a big sports guy. Big sports guy. Did you guy. play a lot of sports? I did. I played basketball yeah. uh, and football and baseball. I played all three and uh, just growing up in like, um, I guess elementary school is what you'd call it. And then I got to high school and it was just a very different um, that's where the story starts, actually, is, yeah. is his high school. So um, what, yeah. once we get to high school, just for our listeners, you were not raised in the church at no. all. Mm-mm. No exposure to the church. Never really heard didn't of know. the word Mormon, ever. Had never heard it. You just Mm-mm. didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, never heard of it. It's funny, and, and, and then we'll get back into your story, but there are, I've spent a lot of time in the South traveling on business. Mm-hmm. The church is not super prevalent in the South, no, you know, and, and yet it's the Bible Belt. It's Christianity runs rampant, and mm-hmm. yet, you know, not only my experience with friends from the South, is a lot of them are raised, either they haven't heard of us, or they've heard not great things about yeah. us. We're that weird cult <laughs> yeah. out in Utah, so. Yeah. But let's get into high school. Let's talk about where your story takes a big turn. Yeah, so um, I was raised Southern Baptist, right? And my grandparents, very staunch Southern Baptist. It's a I beautiful mean, just, faith, man. It is. It's passionate. awesome. Very passionate. Um, and, and that's, I mean, you can imagine just living in the home, just a very different, very different type of upbringing. But, um, I never was active in my faith once I got to high school. I sort of just, just faded off and started doing things that, um, just kind of got me in trouble, you know, just your average 15, 16 year old Southern kid. Um, and I, and again, my grandpa had me out there shooting hoops every day and, uh, that was what I wanted to do. I always wanted to go to a, a small D3 college and play basketball. And uh, that was my dream. And I got to high school and I got into a lot of trouble. Um, just stuff that, that just I regret doing. And now I don't. Now I don't. But at the time, it just it just wasn't my, it just was terrible decisions. And uh, And then I got cut from the basketball team. Were you cut because of behavioral things? Yes. You were in trouble? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was That's in rough. trouble. Yeah, it was, and uh, and it was just it was just a very disappointing thing. It was disappointing for my grandma, for, for my grandpa. And remember, I'm in a small town, and politics just runs wild, right? So I got cut, and my grandma went down there and just raised some cane. She was just upset. She <laughs> she had worked for the high school for you know 40 years, and and just just did not appreciate it. And, and I can imagine in your, I mean, small towns, and it's a little bit this way in Utah for some schools. But my experience with small towns is like high school sports is everything. Yeah. The whole town, I mean, it may as well be like BYU in Utah or, you know, it's a big deal. Everybody knows what happens. The whole town goes to the basketball games. Oh, yeah. So when you're walking around town, you're the kid who got kicked off the team. Well, cut. It was like I I got – I didn't even get considered after – I mean, it was during tryouts and I didn't even get on the team. You know what I mean? It was – it was – I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's painful. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty painful. So sports is over. That's it. That's it for me. I'm done. Yeah. So where did that take you? I'm done. So that took me to my principal's office, and I remember just sitting down with him there, and he uh, he just smiled at me, and he said, "You know, we're um, we we feel it pertinent," and I felt like it was almost like a punishment. He kind of tried to convey it as as if it wasn't just <laughs> like in my best interest, if you will. Um, but he he said, "We're going to put you in theater class." 
He just made that decision. He just made for that you. decision for me. He's like, well, I think the best thing for you right now is to go to theater class. You need to change the scene. You need to change your friends. I think it's just the best decision at this current moment. And you had never done theater or no. anything. There was nothing that would make that principle. Mm. No. Gosh, that is so no. amazing to yeah. me. Yeah, and uh, and he he said, I'm going to walk you down there right now. I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Whitaker, who was the theater teacher if it, um, and the instructor. And uh, and he walked me down there, and I walked in. And Man, I remember how I said everyone knows everybody, right? I didn't know a single person in, the, in this classroom. Could not I could not had never seen any of these faces. Like these are the people that would hang out in the corner in the in the back part of the school, and I just never saw them. Yeah, you know? theater was its own clique. Its own clique. You were hanging out with the jocks, yes. the basketball team. Absolutely, and have my own friends. And uh, and and I mean, and again, where I come from, like theater, it is where the I, I guess the word not weird kids, but it is it is a very um, socially different thing to be a part of theater yeah you know what i mean like out here in utah like i know a lot of people do theater because it's fun right. they enjoy it it's it's a very artsy thing but where i come from it's sports is humongous you know yeah. what i mean and then theater i think in utah it's it's a little more integrated yes. when i see there are a lot of kids who do theater and sports and everybody's kind yeah. of friends where i grew up the theater kids were one group, the music mm-hmm. kids were another, and the jocks were another, and whatever. Well, when I first started speaking, I'd go and I'd tell the story, and um, and I'd just kind of poke fun at theater. I'd say exactly what I said to you, and these kids in the audience are looking at me like, dude, for real? <laughs> Like I'm like okay, well I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, and so it took me a little bit to kind of get used to that. Sure, but, uh, but yeah, so no, it's um, it, it was a big deal, and I just yeah, there's probably ten, fifteen kids in there, sat down and um, just hated my life. <laughs> it was the first period, first period every morning. I just despised getting up and going to school, and uh, and then they started doing this thing called improvisation, mm. and uh, and I fell in love. And I could not wait every morning to get up and go do improv. It was so funny. I just I would just sit there and laugh in tears. And uh, and these kids were so good at it, and they just loved to do it. And it was they were passionate about it. And I just fell in love with it. Did you feel natural from the beginning? Like, hey, I know how to. Well, and for our audience, we've talked improv. If you've listened the whole time, we had Ken and Katie Craig on, who are amazing at improv. They do. Uh, comedy sports and all kinds of things but improv basically you get a topic you might have some rules about how you use that topic and you create a scene usually it's comedy Mm -hmm. so you just jumped right into it huh just jumped right into it i went up there and i can remember um doing something to make this everybody in the classroom laugh and i just wanted to keep on doing it and it was so fun to be i don't know entertaining i guess is what it was um not to mention at that age you start making girls laugh. Yeah. There's a little bit of power in yeah. that. Yeah. But it's like but like even the girls in the classroom I wasn't even remotely interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't even remotely and it was but it was just I felt like these these people accepted me. And it, and and it was cool. And That's they like laughed awesome. at me and talked to me and it was cool. Yeah. So now you're becoming a theater kid. Were you still hanging out with your same friends? Or yeah. did you start hanging out with the theater yeah. crowd a little bit? Uh, I, I mean, it was it was a strictly a class thing, yeah. right? I mean, I, I didn't really hang out with too many people in the theater class. Uh, my girlfriend at the time ended up doing theater with me. Um, and uh, But yeah, I still have my same friends. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good. So you're going through high school now. You're doing yeah. theater. Yeah. And then that takes you to some pretty big stuff. Yeah, I did. I did uh, theater pretty much all through high school, um, and and just loved it. And then in 2011, 
Uh, obviously, you watch a lot of musicals in the theater. We watched Into the Woods, just Les Miserables, just a number of things. And um, and then I heard a couple couple different people in a group over, over to the side start talking about the Book of Mormon musical. And that just intrigued me. I never heard of that word. It was just a very intriguing word, Mormon. And uh, and I walked over there, and we started kind of talking about what the musical was about. And the guy, I can remember just the guy sitting there being like, I don't know if this is a real religion, but it's super funny music. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and so it just intrigued me. And and generally, like, I, I just felt, I at this point, I was so engulfed in theater class that I was literally listening to musicals in my car. Mm. You know, wow. so, so it was a, uh, I was excited to go out, download it on iTunes and listen to the whole track. I'd listened to the whole track by the time I got home and I, I knew I wanted to go see it. I just, for whatever reason, I just, I really wanted to see this. This was the first musical that I'd ever wanted to see live on Broadway. Yeah. And, uh, I kept listening to it and kept listening to it. And I just didn't even think to research whether it was a real religion or not. Sure. And, uh, and by the time that day it ended, well, no, no, sorry, it, it wasn't that day. It had been a couple of days after. By the time the week was over, we'll say that. Like, I don't yeah. have a perfect memory of it, but uh, by the time that week was over, I had bought a plane ticket and I had bought a, and I, it, God willing, that at that at that time. Um, the musical was so sold out. It was booked for two years. Yeah. I kept watching it, it all day long. Someone had popped back out of it, and then I just quickly bought it. Just bought it just for you, yeah, just for me to go by yourself yeah. to New York. I wanted to watch it. And how old were you? I would have been seven, let's see, 16 or 17. That I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, kid from a small town in North Carolina yeah. who just started doing theater buys a round trip plane ticket to go to New York. To been see. Th- yeah, it had been three years into okay, my but tenure still, here. I yeah. mean, still at that age, yeah. To buy to buy a plane ticket and go. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. And um I went up there. Uh, it had been about, about a week later and uh, I watched it and just fell in love with it. I got the plane, found me a taxi, just just drove took me straight to Eugene O'Neill Theater. And uh we I walked in, sat down, said I said no don't get me wrong though, these these tickets I sat way back. Like I'm talking like <laughs> next to the back Back of the back, and right. uh, and just watched it, and I can just remember. Now this is going to be crazy, um, but I can just remember walking out of that, uh, out of Eugene O'Neill Theater, and that's the first time I'd ever felt my faith, any faith, promoted within me in the longest time, ever. And there's a lot of people that I mean, the the, the musical is horrible. Don't get me wrong. Like, it is a terrible thing. I do not promote it at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important because if people don't know yeah. what Book of Mormon the musical is, it is not flattering no. and mm-hmm. the language is terrible. abhorrent. It's horrible. Yeah. But at the end of the musical, Elder Price, he uh, he basically goes through this terrible time on, on a mission. And uh, in the end, he, I remember him looking at one of the characters and saying, I've been through a lot, but what's more important is my faith. And wow. and I can remember thinking, if I'm ever going to be religious, I want to be like that. Because, you know, <laughs> like, like really, because like my my uh, people where I come from, like you're you're a Sunday Christian. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. And, and, and these missionaries just kept their faith all throughout the whole musical and like every day. And it was just crazy to me. I never see anything like that religiously. And I said, man, I want to be just like that. If I ever 
join anywhere. I want to be just like that. And so I fl- flew back home and immediately started looking it up. And I found out that you people were real. You know what I mean? Like, like everyone was real. Could not believe it. I was so excited that I had a, ch- like just that everyone was super, super into this faith. And there were people out here in Utah and, and, uh, and I get even more excited when I found out that there was a small little LDS chapel about 30 miles away. 30 miles. About 30 miles. Some, yeah, 25, 30. But I love you talking about how close it is, that you're excited that it's 30 oh, miles I'm away. I'm so excited. You know? Yeah, I was yeah. so pumped. Um, and and this is really the first time I can remember telling my grandma, I'm like, Grandma, I'm going to go down to the Mormon church today. And that was the worst mistake of my life, right? I mean, oh, she I was, can imagine. She was so upset. She's like, boy, you will not know. It's not happening. Not in, my, not in my house, you know? I said, okay, I won't do it then. Whatever. I, and I and I kept on. I mean, I was very obedient to my grandma. You know what I mean. I tried to be, and I, I just kept on researching and researching and researching. And I went down to the library, and <clears throat> I remember having to steal books from the library just to, because the the librarian knew my grandma. And I and I and I walked up and went with him, and he said, "Your grandma would not be very happy about it." And, and I said, "Okay." So I put him back, and I went back home, got a backpack, and walked in and walked out. And, I mean, it's just I. It, looking back on it, it wasn't crazy at the time, but looking back on it, it's like, man, like it was just incredible. Um, I don't promote thievery. <laughs> just, just, just so you know, I don't. I don't promote thievery. I love that a lot of things we don't promote is what led you on your path of faith. But it's true. The Lord will use. Yeah. What the Lord will use. Yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's awesome. And. Um, and I repented, and now I'm here. It's all that matters, yep, right? Yep, but, yep, of course. Um, and uh, and so I just kept researching, and I woke up one Sunday. I said, I'm tired of it. I want to meet a Mormon. I want to meet a real-life Mormon. I want to do it, you know? And uh, um, I woke up, and I, I, I called my, my atheist friend, Candace, and I said, I want to go down, and I want to go to a, a chapel. I want to go to this religion. I want to just, I just, wanna just um, examine them, if you will. And uh, we drove down there, her and I did, and uh, we showed up, and I couldn't believe it. I was here, like I had been, I was, I was getting ready to like be able to just shake one's hand and touch one, and just like interact with one. It was exciting for me. And, this was uh, still just a curiosity, yeah, really. Yeah, it really was at, the, at this time. I never, yeah. I never had any intentions of joining at the time, and uh, and partially because half the things that I learned, I didn't even think were true. Right, you know what I mean? Just yeah. because some of them seem so far fetched, it's like, sure, boy, that's real, you know. And uh, I get down there, and I sit behind uh, this these two girls uh, with the dorkiest looking name tags in the whole world, <laughs> just dorky looking. And uh, and that was I was like, oh my gosh, missionaries are so real. <laughs> I, was, I could not like my heart was throbbing. I was like, man, like I'm sitting behind two real life, real missionaries, real missionaries. <laughs> you know, because in the musical they have the tags too, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting right behind two of them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I felt like I was a part of the musical there for a second, <laughs> and uh, and I was just infatuated with these two girls. And uh, they turn around and. After the, the sacrament was over, and uh, they said, so what ward are you from? And at this point, I'm looking like a deer in the headlights. What's, uh, what the heck a is a ward? Yeah. And, uh, and I said, I don't know what a ward is. And these two girls looked like they were getting ready to eat me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, they did. They looked, they looked like they were just ravenous. Yep. And it was just they just were just ready to go. Yeah. And, uh, 
and both of their demeanors just sort of just stopped. And you could tell it looked like that they had just won the, the lottery. Like of their course. faces were just of incredible. Course. Yeah. And um and they said and I remember Sister Taylor going, So you're not a member of the church? And I was like, No, I'm not. And she's like, Well, why are you here? I said, I'm just here to learn. And boy, oh, that just man. Oh, sent them in both into a frenzy. You I'm done talking gasoline on the Absolutely. fire. Absolutely. It yeah. was it was incredible. Um and they just, just sprung me with questions. Just just went all in for we probably stood there and talked for probably twenty twenty five minutes. What did what did Candace think of all this? Candace was uh, more on the side of um, I'm very aware of this religion. Yeah, because she's atheist. She obviously had to look into a lot of different religions. Right. Um, and she actually cautioned me. She was like, "You need to be careful what you do here because number one, culturally speaking, you're going to get in a lot of trouble, and then religiously speaking, sure, I know a lot of Christians that just think that you're losing your mind, you right? Know? Of course. And so, but she was very anti. She just mm-hmm. wanted to be there, support me, and it's awesome. Um, but I uh, went home that evening and I, I remembered that, Hey, grandma won't let this happen. So I called the sister missionaries and I said, well, my grandparents won't let me meet in the house for, you know, whatever reason. And, uh, we can meet wherever. And they said, well, how about we come into Yakinville, which is about, again, about a 25 minute drive, uh, this Thursday and we'll meet at McDonald's. And, uh, we kept doing that for about did it for about three months, and then uh, the part that I don't, I mean, I just haven't really come out and said this, but uh, I dropped them for a little while, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I don't remember why, but I just decided to call them back up, and I said, I, I think I want to keep doing this, call them back, and uh, they just kept, well... Well, half the reason why I called them back is because it's because they kept calling me, and I just would just ignore them a lot of the time. And there's very, I guess the word would be importunate. You know what importunate means? Mm-hmm. Just very consistent, very yeah. like almost to the point of annoyance. They would just text me. And yeah, it was just yeah. And so finally, I just awesome. like whatever. I'll just I'll just keep doing it. And so they kept teaching me, and we met at Arby's, McDonald's, and man, I'd never had so much greasy food in my life. Just <laughs> every week, I knew what I was getting. You know, it was great. Now did. Did they change missionaries throughout this process then? Um, so, Did you have different sisters that taught you? So it was it was cool. Um, I had Sister Taylor and Sister uh, Jensen, and um, they were together for a little while. By the time I dropped them, they were still together whenever I came back. And they were the ones that invited me to be baptized. Yeah. And... Um, and then I, which, which is a whole different story. It'd take a lot longer than just a podcast to talk about that. But I get to the point to where I was feeling like I really just wanted to join. Yeah, I didn't know why. Hmm. I really didn't. I didn't really understand um, religiously. I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was doctrinally smart enough. I had preachers at this time that was just. I mean, was, and, and your grandma was still totally unaware of naive, this. naive. I had a lot of questions. Talking to a lot of my Christian friends, a lot of different pastors yeah. around the the county, but I mean, part of the deal was, hey, I'm gonna come talk to you, but you cannot let Lou Hutchins know <laughs> I'm dead. You know what I mean? You cannot. I love the respect <laughs> and love you have for your grandma. Oh, absolutely. Through all this, so but you finally make this decision. Okay, I'm gonna get baptized. Yeah. What happens then? Yeah. So that night we were at McDonald's. They invited me to be baptized, and um, and I drive home, and then the realization came over that. I need to just go ahead and do it. I need to go ahead and tell my grandparents what I'm getting ready to do. And uh, man, that was a, that was a long drive home. I was thinking about what I was going to say, how I was going to say it. Um, and it was just it was a very very 
long drive. And it was about a five-minute drive, but it's the longest five minutes of my life sure. it was. And um, I walked in, and, and I sat down and kind of laid back. And I remember them watching the Atlanta Braves at this point. And, uh, and I looked over, and I stood up, and I got this shot of courage, just ran through my body. And uh, I said, Grandma, I need you to turn the TV off. And uh, she said, is everything all right, baby? I said, yeah, everything's good. I just need to you need to have a discussion here. And um, she turned the TV off. And my grandpa, now, this is the part that, um, so my grandpa knew what I was doing. Mm. He, 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 he leaned more on the, you're probably going to go to hell. But I still love you, anyways. Yeah. And I was, and you, like you know what I mean. Like he right, was, right. he was fine with it. And and most, yeah, he was just a, he's a pretty cool grandpa. But I think the moment I said turn the TV off, he looked at me like you were about to die. <laughs> I know exactly what I know exactly what you were about to tell this woman. And uh, and it was almost like as if he looked at me and just was just like, don't do it, don't do it. And I just looked at him. And I can remember looking back at my grandma and I said, Grandma. I had been meeting with the um, with the Mormon missionaries for the last four or five months. Every Thursday at some restaurant because you wouldn't let me, them come into the house, and um, and I said I'm at a point in my life where I want to start being better. I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life, and and I feel like I need to unite with these people. And this is what I'm doing, and I don't want you to stop me. And my grandma, um, she had a chair probably about five or six feet away from where I was sitting at the time, and she just stood up and she looked at me, and it was very quiet, and uh, she started to cry. Mm. And uh, she walked over, kind of just took a couple steps in front of me there and then she just walked over and she didn't say a, a daggum word didn't say anything at, and she just pointed towards the door and I, at the time I didn't realize what she was doing and it took me a couple seconds to kind of gather it and I just said no like no I'm not I'm not going to do that I'm, I'm going to stay right here where I'm at I'm not leaving the house and she said she said I will go to hell my salvation, my salvation hinges on this. I cannot house someone of that faith. Mm. And um, at that point, I I didn't really have an. I mean, I couldn't argue with that. You know, if you believe that, it was more of okay. Well, I understand. And I looked at Grandpa, and I was like, "You want to help me out here, bud?" And he, like, I ain't going to think. We'll talk you're to on her. Your own. Yeah, you're on your own, bud. I can't. You, I can't do this. it. Yeah. And, uh, and did you have any second guesses at this point? Any misgivings? Any okay? Maybe I should dial it back a little bit. Um, you know, I get asked that question a lot, and it's surprisingly I didn't. Um, I mean, I was more upset that my grandma. This is the first time I'd ever seen my grandma right. like this. I mean, yeah. she was just the most loving, loving caring grandma. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it was it was just a very big shock to me at this point. Plus, and, you don't uh, want to hurt your grandma. No, you know, yeah. I mean, something that brings you so much joy and yeah. you want to pursue. Yeah. But it's hurting grandma. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and it was just it was just a, a big bummer for me. Yeah. And I didn't even think twice about what I was doing. It was just I I Lord, I really want to be with my grandma. You know what I mean? But she Especially says, now. get out of my house. Where did you go? 
So the problem is, is that um, most of my friends, uh, and again, I remember I live in a small county, so the fact that, I mean, if I didn't want to have to tell my friends um, that I was joining this church because they'd tell their parents, and I was scared that yeah. um, they would find out and not want to house one either. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was just a very scary so thing for stay, me. Right? Yeah. Now you're out of high school at this point, though. No, I'm in high school. You were still in high I was, school. I was when senior in high school. Oh my I was. gosh. And Tanner, that's amazing. And um, and so uh, my I had been talking to my biological dad a little bit about it, and he called me brainwashed. And there's no way that I'm gonna go over there and tell him that I'm joining and. Um, and I never really had much of a relationship, relationship with my biological mom. Um, and it just, I just didn't, I was ashamed of myself and I just got in my car and we drove down to a, I drove down to a little, um, what you'd call like a Smith's here is called a food lion. Yeah. Food lion. Grocery yeah. store. Yeah. Grocery yeah. store. Small supermarket. Yep. And, um, and I stayed there in my car for two to three weeks. Something you like lived that. in your car for a couple of weeks. I did. It was was back this during and forth. summer or were you going to school? This is during school. So you're getting up every day. You're going to school. Going to school. You're going to classes, and then you're going back and by yourself. You're living in your car. Yeah. All because of your decision to become a Mormon mm-hmm. that your grandma couldn't handle. Yeah, and I was I was scared to tell my missionaries what was going on because I didn't want them to. I mean, it was just it was a very I didn't know what to do. I mean, mm-hmm. it was I was very confused. I, I felt like I felt like what I was doing was right. And the problem was that I didn't know why I felt like what I was doing was right. I really didn't. It just yeah. felt right. And um, and I kept I – mean, yeah, it was just for a couple weeks. And um, So and then what changed? So I, I got to my baptismal day, and uh, and I made it. It was good. I felt like you know it was, it was going to be great. And I got down in the water, and my grandma's just sitting there in the middle of the, the audience. Did you know she was coming? No. But your grandma was there. She was there. Ugh. She was there, and she was wearing all black. But she was there, and that was a message. That's a message that you're... that was not accidental. No. That she's wearing no. all black. No, that it, it was. Um, it was you. You being baptized right now is probably your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> but she was there. <laughs> she was. Oh, she was, and and it was cool. I, like honestly, the heart changed. Um, it, it wasn't she. Well. I wouldn't say her heart changed, but I yeah. would say that she rem- she remembered. I I did a I did a, a show a couple weeks ago. Um, Saints Unscripted. You ever mm-hmm. heard of them? Yeah, sure. And uh, and they asked me like, um, why do you think your grandma did that? I think she really realized her love. You know, like like I think that her love for her family, for yeah. me, for my other brother, it really trumps our decisions and, and, sure. and sort of what we're a part of. And I remember her telling me that after. Um, after I got baptized, and, she and she's said, a Christ-like, good Christian much, woman, very much so. And that supersedes your love, you know, mm-hmm. her love, and and that supersedes yep. her thoughts. And see that, and, and you're and, still going to hell. Yeah, absolutely going but, to hell. But she will enjoy me while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we might as well enjoy each other. Absolutely. before you go to hell. Absolutely. Sure. And uh, <laughs> and I was I was she wasn't able to have kids, mm. and so me and my brother were sort of her. Right, her, her jewels, and yeah. so you kind of see it that way. And so, did you move back in with I grandma? Did. Grandma came in. She's like, you know, "Grandma got a Mormon in the house. Yeah, got a Mormon in the house." However, you, I don't want to ever see a book of Mormon. I don't want to ever have another Mormon in my house. 
I don't ever want to hear the word Mormon. Now she and she changed her view very quick. She did because it, it came time that I had a couple friends come on, come on, please. I got I got this guy that I'm meeting down at the church, and and his name was Mason. And I I said I really want to just hang out with Mason. You know what I mean? I want to better myself with my friends. And she's like, well, I don't want to hear the word Mormon. I said, okay, all right, we won't say it. We won't say it. It's all good. Um, but yeah, I got baptized and. Um, yeah. And so, so this, you, you, you comes full circle. You end up graduating from mm-hmm, high school. I do. And then here you've had this massive life change and then you feel called to do something else major. Yeah. So I, um, I had, uh, just for whatever reason I was, I was still, I just wanted to go on a mission. I remember the, the, the musical was all about the mission. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mission play, missionary work plays a massive yes, role up to this point. Absolutely. The Sisters, Huge. the Book of Mormon, the musical. Yeah. And uh, I was just so dead set on wanting to do it. I think a lot of me looking back was I think I joined because I really wanted to go on a mission. I really wanted to do that. I really yeah. wanted to go out and preach and leave my hometown. And because I think at the time I, I thought that's what a real missionary does. You sure. leave and you go out and you preach. You yeah. Know? And, um, I just wanted to do that, and uh, I kept telling my grandma, and I said, Grandma, I think I know what I'm going to do. I mean, she said, no. She's like, I, I can deal with it. I've gotten past this whole Mormon thing, and um, but if you leave me for two years, I'll die. Oof. I My heart just cannot take it. I will worry, and I'm, I'm 86 years old. I can't do it. And uh, And she kept telling me that. She kept telling me that, and uh, she... We got up to about so I was I was I was baptized in March, and uh, about no start of November, my bishop calls me in. He's like, "Well, let's go ahead and you know, if you want to go, we can go ahead and start these papers." And, uh, and I said, "I really want to go." And uh, a couple of weeks go by, and, and Grandma just kind of started to feel a little weak, and uh, she had diabetes, and uh, she. She had some problems just with she was she was eighty six. You know what I mean. So naturally, the health problems were just kind of rolling in at this yeah. point. And uh, we get done with my papers. Now, what's great about it all is that my grandpa. And remember, he's the homie. You know what right, I mean? He's right. he's, 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 he's he's got a, your back. The true homie. Yep. He was taking me to doctor's appointments and like, don't you tell your grandma? I will I will, I will kill you. Don't you tell your grandma? <laughs> I love he was, this dynamic. He was, yeah. He, he don't you do it? He was taking me to all these places and helping me out, getting my insurance together. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was sitting in school one day and I, and I looked down at my phone and, and Travis and my brother, he'd said, Grandma got put in the hospital today and uh, you need to come see her. I said, okay. So I went down there and she was, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't, yeah. don't worry about me. I'm all good. You know, and as grandmas are. Yep. She came home that evening and, uh, and, uh, she got put back in the hospital the next day. She stayed there about four days. And uh, and I can remember just looking down at my phone, and my brother had texted me and said, Grandma went to heaven today. And she died November 26, 2013. And uh, that was the biggest obstacle that I'd faced thus far. Of course. Is losing her. Um and it was just, it just took me for a ride, you know, like, is, is what I'm doing right? You know, is this, is this God, is this you telling me, like, should I leave? Should I continue going on a mission? Should I even be a part of the religion? You know, I mean, she just, she just. just I'm sure tons of mixed yeah. emotions on all this. Yeah. And, and again, I told you, she, she, she died from, from just health problems. And it right, was just, of course. yeah, but it was just a, a horrible feeling that I had. And, but I continued on. 
made the decision to keep going, and I got my call to Argentina. And uh, I went out to Argentina, and I was still struggling with my faith, and decided to come back home. And uh, how hard was that decision to come home? Uh, it wasn't. You were just ready. Yeah, you I just was, said, I was I'm, ready. I'm not here yeah. for the right reasons. It, yeah, I'm not here for the right reasons. I my companion was so compassionate about going out and doing it, um, and I wasn't. And I felt like I was holding him up, and and I was. Just between grandma dying and my grandpa being alone, they were married thirty some years. You know what I mean? And just yeah. I left a situation that was horrible. I felt like and well, and also I mean, you know, I served a mission. I used to watch. There was an old video from the eighties called "Called to Serve" mm. that the music plays. You know, and the yeah. music, and you see people are shaking hands. It's a musical uh, montage. I thought the mission was going to be like that. Then yeah. my first month, I was in Chile, oh, close yeah. to Argentina. My first month was like. Oh, it's nothing oh, like nothing. what I thought it was going to be. Nothing, yeah. It's I mean, the day to day grind. Reality hits pretty fast. Got my and world I rocked. To go home. Yeah, it yeah. was a very different. Because I mean, I again, I'm, I'm going off what my sisters, how my sisters acted, and how the musical was. Yeah, I got down there and and, and six thirty the, the the very first morning. It's twenty some degrees in my apartment, and my companion gets up and he's just shaking me. And I oh, I am not a morning person, dude. Like. <laughs> I can just remember just giving him. I don't think I've ever gave anyone a worse look in my life that first morning. Just mm. shaking me and just kind of not yelling, but just sort of you need to get yeah. up. Like let's go. We got to work out. Drill sergeant for a companion. Oh. Loved him. Loved him. And he's one yeah. of my best friends now. But yeah. just at the time, I just. How long were you out in Argentina? I was probably in Argentina for about three months. Yeah. Total. And it's hard. Uh, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough thing. So you come home. You come home to North Carolina. Yep. Come to North Carolina, and uh, and I went through some, you know, um, counseling with my state president, with my bishop, and they all felt like they wanted me to go back out, and they kept telling me, Tanner, like we feel very strongly, you know, that um, you have life experiences that some other missionaries don't, and we want to try to keep working with the missionary department, and we feel like you'd be a great missionary, and um, and uh, so I just kept working with them, kept trusting the process, and. I'm glad I did because my state president called me one day and said, uh, we got another call for you. It's not to Argentina. I wanted to go back to Argentina. I wanted to retackle right. that, that That's monster. My yeah. yeah. And um, he, uh, he said, like, you're going to the Washington Kennewick mission. I said, I've never heard of what? Washington you know, yeah. What is this? <laughs> and uh, he initially had said, uh, you got about six weeks to get ready, but we're going to send you back out there. Um, two days passed. I get a call from a 509 number, which is the Kennewick area code. My mission president, he's like, is this Elder Hutchins? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely it is. And he said, well, Elder, I've had some missionaries go home here in the last couple of days. And um, I woke up this morning and said a prayer and I thought about you. And uh, he's like, how soon can you be here? <laughs> and uh, and so I was on a plane in two days. Oh wow! I was on a plane Tanner. in two days, Crazy. and uh, went out there, and I just kept struggling. I did. I just, it just I just kept struggling with everything. Did it feel like the same? Like here I go again. Yeah, I've made a mistake again. Yeah, yeah. And there was and like there was there was a lot of other things that just kind of came up, and I just it just it was just a lot. It was a lot. Looking back on it, and um, mission president and I just talked about it, and I made the decision to go home again. And at this point, I said, "I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going on a mission. I'm I'm done. Done with you know missions. I mean? This yeah. is twice. Sure. I know. I know a lot of people at the time that was like, this is it's crazy that you even get, get to go back out again. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like time, let alone yeah. twice. 
Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm out two times and I come home and I chase some girl to Arizona and, uh, that didn't work out. And so I decided I wanted to move to Provo and I moved to Provo and you, you so you'd moved on from the idea of a mission completely. Ever. I was in school, but you'd stayed active. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Totally committed to the faith. But that part of my life is over, is over. time to find the, the perfect young lady yep. and all that. It's right? good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, my, my bishop at the time, just, he would subtly here in Provo, he would subtly like, so what about the mission? You know what I mean? Just kind of every once in a while. And I'm like, nope, not happening. Go, okay, nope. All right. That's over. That's over. And then every couple of weeks he'd ask me again, what's, what's about the mission? Oh, no, that's not, not going to happen. Okay. So I'm laying in bed one night and I look down and that same Dagum 509 number just came rolling through my phone. I thought, you have mercy on my soul. I knew exactly what what was going on. I knew that, that my bishop and my state president was in was in being in contact with this man. And uh, he called me up and he said, Elder, uh, Elder Hutchins, this is President Ware. How are you doing? I hadn't talked to you in about 10 months. And I said, yeah, I'm doing good, President. And uh, he's like, well, I'm just going to get, get right to it. And he's like, the Lord and I feel that it's very pertinent that you come back out to the mission. I said, Nope not going to happen. He's like, Elder, take about a night to think about it. I said, okay. So uh, I wake up the next morning and <sighs> you know what I did. I mean, I just, it, it was, it was just, it was, the answer was I had to drop my girlfriend at the time. I dropped my school. I had just started school and, and I was on a plane in three or four days back to the mission. I get there and uh, everything's going great. I had my, all my companions were great. Everything was fine. And uh, and I this is the first time I can remember just being excited about getting up and going and, and preaching. You know, this is my third time out on the mission. I wanted to do it right this time. And, and uh, I'm a very competitive person, Sean. Very yeah, competitive. I believe that. Extremely I can see competitive. It yeah. And uh, I can remember we had. I, I was amped. I was ready this week. We were going to play basketball. I was. I was just juiced. I was ready to go. And I uh, get out there, and I go up for this rebound next to this guy that was a lot bigger than me. And I tried just to overdo myself, and I came down and shattered my ankle. Mm. Shattered my ankle. And, uh, and I can remember my, my companion at the time. He came, he came over, and I was in a lot of pain. And he, he kind of laughed at me. He said, boy, you're going home again. And I said, no. I said, no. I am not going home. And that companion wheeled me around in a wheelchair for a good week or so. And... Broken ankle. Broken ankle. Just oh, broke it. My gosh. And uh, and uh, I get a phone call from President Ware. He's like, Elder, I hate having to do this. I was like, I, I know, President. He's like, we're going to have to buy you a plane ticket and send you back to Provo. My. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, I mean, if you think, thought I was done the second time. Yeah. You get like, yeah. Then that is it. Yeah, I get it. That's it. The mission is not happening. Yeah. Obviously, this is not meant for me at all. And uh, and so I get there, and my my state president would go to every appointment with me, every single one of them. And um, every every appointment with the, the ankle doctor. Oh, he'd go to all yeah. your medical appointments. Yeah, he would go. I got home, and he was like, "Okay, this we're, we're, I got you at this doctor. I like we're going here. This is this so the date. You are going back you, out. We're I, just well, fix I didn't the know ankle. that at the time. I okay. did not know that at the time. But he was there because the church insurance was taking care of me. And uh, and I didn't really have a car, and I thought he was just being nice and yeah, helping me out guy. and whatnot. Yeah, and um, 
And he took me there, and he took me there, and he, he'd always ask the doctors, "Are the ankles doing okay, right?" And like, well, we're getting there, you know. So that last time, he, I, uh, my ankle, uh, the doctor walks in, and it's like, "Well, Tanner, we, the ankle looks great. It's, I think you're, I think you're good to go." And my state president, he stands up, and he has his phone, and he's like, "I got to step outside just for a second. And I thought he was going outside to make a phone call about something, and he walks out and makes a phone call. I didn't think twice of it, and get back in his car and I get home and I look down at my phone and that same daggum 509 number just coming straight through my phone. <laughs> and, uh, and he, um, it's like, I knew exactly what was going on at this point. I knew exactly what, uh, why he made that phone call and it didn't waste any time. I mean, it was very quick and he called me and he's like, Elder Hutchins, this is it. This is the last time I ever go to ask this of you. Will you come out? And, uh, I said, no, I'm not going to. And then he, my mission president asked me a question. He said, uh, Elder, I can't make you do anything, but I do have a question. He said, is your faith sufficient? Mm. It, do you have enough faith in the, eye, in the eyes of the Lord to come back out here? And... That was probably the hardest question I'd ever been asked, because I was I was tired. I wanted to get on dating. I wanted to get. I was I was I was just upset. You know, I, I, why do you keep doing this to me? Why don't you just leave me alone? And uh, I just took the night, and I woke up the next morning, and I, and I I can remember thinking to myself, No, my faith is not sufficient. But whatever needs to be done, I'm sure Christ will get me there. Hmm. I'm sure Christ will make whatever I lack. And I call him back and I said, let's do it. Sean, two days. <laughs> two days. And uh, I was back out there. And my first area, we had 14 baptisms. Mm. And, that, and that, that last 14th baptism, I can remember thinking to myself, this is... Yeah. This is it. I know. I get it. Mm. And uh, and so I finished my mission 14 months later. Got off that plane. I felt like I had just won the lottery. I felt like I had just, <laughs> I had just struck. Oh, goodness gracious! And I walked down those stairs. And my mission president, the one that kept calling back out, he was there, the first person to hug me. And uh, my friends were there, and it was just, it was the most gratifying feeling, just finishing finally. And uh, here I am today. So, Tanner, your story is amazing. I've now heard it three times, and I'm I've learned new things each time, and I'm more blown away by it each time. So, tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, so right now I I'm in work. I'm working for a small little credit union here in Utah County, and uh, I'm dating. I got yeah. a, got a pretty consistent girlfriend. It's, it's going in a good direction. She's hopefully, awesome. yeah, she's a great girl. And you're about to watch. Carolina beat the About snot to go, out of yes, uh, Duke. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, if you were to look back, you look back at your story, and there are so many themes and so many lessons. One of the big ones to me is the angels in your life, uh, your grandma, your grandpa, these missionaries, the Book of Mormon musical in the oddest way, yeah. the stake president, mission president's companion. There were a lot of people that the Lord put in your path. Yeah. Uh, is one amazing message. But if you were to sum it all up, if you were to say, that's my story, 
And here's one central message. This is the this is the message of my story. Could you get it down to a sentence oh, or two? Man. <clears throat> Obviously, I thought a lot about this. I mean, I I write. You know, we 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 produce. I, I run a channel now, and, uh, and tell us what produce. your channel is. Let's so make sure we get that out there. Yeah, so it's called Outcasted. Um, and it's just some friends and I, it was, I sort of had the idea, but I came together with this really good editor girl and yeah. we said, and that's we, on YouTube, yeah, outcasted. It's on YouTube. if people search for the channel outcasted, that's where I saw you. Yeah. And, uh, we just wanted to put together some entertaining gospel, spiritual, just easy, yeah. something, something like something easy to watch awesome. uh, videos. And, uh, but if, if I could sum it up. I'd probably have to say that it's not about having a perfect testimony. It's about building one. Mm. It really is about building one. Because I don't think that we'll ever have a perfect testimony. I went through a lot to get here, and, and that's fine. And we could talk about the trial all day. But I feel like those trials is what built that testimony, and I'm still building it. I'm still building. I still have questions. I, st- I have a whole library at home where I can just I sit down and I buy go to DI and I, and I buy these books and I am looking for doctrinal questions. I still today just sometimes struggle with my faith. So, like sometimes, you know what I mean. And it, and course, I have questions. And 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 I had to realize early on that it's not going to do me any good to strive for this perfect testimony. But little by little, I can get there eventually. That's awesome. Tanner, your story is so inspiring and so beautiful and so, so many facets of it. I mean, we could probably do a 10 hour version of your story and (laughs) still not get there. I'm going to challenge you to figure out how to put it into a book. I'm sure you've thought of that 50 times, but I would read this book 10 times over. We're going to finish with the question that we ask all of our guests. There's no right or wrong answer, but Tanner, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Change. Mm. change it's uh it's i think the gospel at its roots is is a um i i for some reason i always think about dragon ball z do you ever are you familiar with that yeah sure um anime anime yeah and and these characters just they go through these epic changes throughout the season and or throughout all the episodes and the seasons of the show and uh but it is, but it's the gospel, right? In Dragon Ball Z, it's being a Super Saiyan or whatever. It's just fictional. But for me, it's um, just a transformation. It is. Yeah. Amazing member of the church, four time missionary. Yeah. <laughs> Mega UNC fan and someone who gives me a lot of hope and faith in the gospel. Tanner, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. My sincere gratitude to Tanner for coming on and sharing that story. What an incredible guy. The spirit in this room was just fantastic as he uh, shared with me that uh, story of all he went through. And I was so touched, and he's just doing amazing things in the world. And as he shared this story, one of the parts of the story that touches me the most is his relationship with his grandmother. And it got me to thinking this week a little bit about my own grandparents. And uh, something else happened this week that made me think of my grandparents. You know, I am 46 years old. I'm part of Generation X. 
My parents are baby boomers, and their parents uh, belonged to what we call the greatest generation. And that greatest generation is almost gone. (laughs) Most have passed on now, and we call them the greatest generation for a reason. Uh, They did great things, the greatest things. They fought in World War II. Uh, They (laughs) literally fought Nazis. Uh, They went through depressions, and they built America. And uh, I don't think that when, even though we romanticize sometimes what they do, we don't overstate it, because it's pretty amazing. And that was my grandparents. I've shared a little bit before about my grandparents. and, And, you know, I lost my grandfather on my dad's side when I was 11 years old. And that was difficult for me. But uh, that grandfather, he had some siblings. And one of those siblings was a man who was very important in my life, uh, who was his brother, Don. And Don had a wonderful wife named Lorna. And these were very special people to me, Don and Lorna. And, and again, my grandfather passed when I was quite young. And, uh, and then several years ago, we lost my grandmother as well. And they lived uh, just wonderful lives and amazing people. And Don and Lorna continued to live. And a few years ago, Don passed away. And Lorna was the matriarch of our family. And she encompassed everything that that generation stood for. When my own father was younger and was uh, trying to figure out, as we all do as a teenager, kind of what paths to take, Don and Lorna stepped in. And they really guided him and helped. And my dad has often credited them with his decision to go on a mission. They had a great influence in his life as a young man. Well, if my dad doesn't go on a mission, I'm not so sure that he meets my mom. And if he doesn't meet my mom, (laughs) I think we all know what that means for me. So to say that I am grateful for Don and Lorna is an understatement. My Uncle Don and my Aunt Lorna. Aunt Lorna has always been such a wonderful, cheery person and so sharp, uh, even into her much later years. And, And every time she would see me, oh, she'd give me such a big hug and I was always impressed how she would remember everybody's names around her. She was just truly one of the greatest of the greatest generation. And this past week, uh, Lorna passed away (laughs) at the young age of 90 years old. What an incredible life she led. All the things that she saw and the gospel unfolding. And she was unwavering. She was a rock in the gospel. And again, that's it for my family of that greatest generation. They're all gone now. And now it's to my parents and my my dad's uh, own sister and, and his cousins. It's to the baby boomers. And they're doing some pretty darn great things themselves. And then I'm next, <laughs> Generation X. What am I going to do to become as great as the greatest generation. I feel this little bit of weight in a good way on my shoulders that I need to step up and make some sacrifices and step in and be that for some people, whether it's my neighbor or my nieces or nephews or friends or just a stranger on the street. What am I going to do to honor their incredible legacy and the work they did? They're gone And now uh, the world is left to us. I'm so grateful 
for that entire generation. I love reading books and listening to podcasts about World War II and about these valiant young men and women who went off and fought, and you can see how it shaped them for the rest of their lives. I'm grateful for them, and I feel the weight of generations. In fact, my patriarchal blessing talks about me needing to honor the generations that have preceded me. And I don't take that lightly. And I think about the reunion going on right now as Lorna is back with her loving husband, Don, and with my granddad and my nana, my brother. And I'm starting to understand also why, as people get older, they say, I'm ready to be done. And it's not just that they finished up what they're doing here. It's that they've spent their whole life watching people cross over to the other side. And I think that they're ready to say hello to them again. And I hope I live another 40, 50, 60 years, however long I can. But when that time comes, I'll look forward to giving Uncle Don and Aunt Lorna a great big hug. And once again, telling them how much I love them and that they truly are the greatest. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We so appreciate it. Remember, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, all over the place. If you want to reach out directly to me, I can be reached at Sean at LatterdayLives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at LatterdayLives.com. So until next week, we've got another great episode for you. Please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 